This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with a doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you all are having a great morning this morning. You are listening to your favorite award-winning health and wellness show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your willing and able and happy host, Dr. Carissa, and I thank you so much for joining me on this Thursday. As we always do, we're going to start with our shout-out. Shout-out to my number one fan. Hey, Mom, hope you're having a especially terrific Thursday today. So if you happen to see my number one fan, make sure you wish her a happy, happy birthday today. So we are going to celebrate that day for sure. All righty. Moving on to our other family, shout-outs to family in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Hampton, Virginia, Lesby, Maryland, College Park, Georgia, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Baltimore, Maryland, Albany, Georgia, Huntsville, Alabama, Houston, Texas, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, Lansing, South Carolina, Center, Alabama, Centerville, Virginia, Phoenix, Arizona, Miami, Florida, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, Temecula, California, Pensacola, Florida, Opelika, Alabama, Newport News, Virginia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Oxford, North Carolina, Gadsden, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, hey Memphis, Belize City, Belize, Seattle, Washington, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Macon, Georgia, the Big M, Washington, D.C., Columbia, South Carolina, San Antonio, Texas, Greenwood, Mississippi, and all points in between. As always, if you are listening from wherever you're listening from, please let us know. Shout us out on our Facebook page. We are kind of live on our Facebook page, um, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Shout us out. And let me know where you are listening from, and I will give you a shout-out next week. You can listen to this broadcast live. We broadcast live from our WWE Real 1100 AM studio in Atlanta every Thursday at 7 AM Eastern Standard Time. And you can catch the rebroadcast on TuneIn Radio 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio every Sunday at 9 AM Pacific Standard Time. 12 noon Eastern. You can also stream this show at www.real1100.com. You can watch us on Facebook most days, most weeks, but not today. Today I'm dialing in because I am coming to you from a remote location, also known as Las Vegas. I'm out here for an educational conference. No giggles, really. I've been going to class. Um, And so I am actually dialing in myself, and it is very early out here. It's a little after 8, 
And so I don't have my eyebrows on just yet. So that is why I am not uh, on screen with you all this morning. We have a new media alert. So I have launched a new website that encapsulates all things Dr. Carissa. Um, you can find us at www.drcarissa.com. And I will put that in our Facebook um, page. The Dr. Carissa website will have, or rather does have, access to all of the things that I do. So there you will find the link to our blog, um, Globe Meets Trot, which is a lifestyle uh, and parenting blog that talks about travel uh, and wellness and all of those those good things. Um, it has links to our foundation, the Gold Dot Foundation, which is dedicated to uh, financially supporting students at my alma mater, Booker T. Washington High School in Norfolk, Virginia, who are seeking uh, vocational education. Uh, and, of course, the show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. There's a calendar of all of our upcoming shows and any other events that we uh, will be having. And lastly, it will host our health education pro, uh, platform, uh, Healthy University with Dr. Carissa, where you can learn more in-depth information about various health and wellness topics. And so that one is not on the website yet. We are still working on that, and we will get that out to you all shortly. You can advertise with us to advertise your business or service, or to book Dr. Carissa for your next speaking or community event, you can email us at drcarissa at medminutewithdrcarissa.com. I will also put that up in the Facebook and on uh, drcarissamd.com. You have all of those links to get in touch with us. All righty. So today we are talking about women's health. And in a minute, we will have our women's health expert, Dr. Tamika Roberts, one of my longtime friends uh, and colleagues, um, that we'll talk about some women's health uh, basics here. So, you know, here's the thing. Everyone knows at least one woman, right? We'll start with your mom. Right. You know, at least one woman. And so when we begin to address women's health, uh, we must look at the, the broader issues um, that face us, right, that face all women. It's much deeper than and much more expansive, I should say, than just wearing pink in October, although that is a, a great, great place to start. And so, without further ado, let me introduce to you our expert for today. Our expert today is Dr. Tamika Roberts. Dr. Roberts has proudly served the Birmingham community with excellent medical care since 2003. Her educational career began at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, also known as UAB, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Materials, Science, and Engineering. While attending UAB, she was a golden girl and an assistant coach choreographer. Dr. Roberts attended Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee, before completing a residency in Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Florida in Jacksonville. 
She is a member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society. Got to be really, really smart to be in that. And is board certified with the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Dr. Roberts enjoys providing education to both women and girls about making healthy decisions for their bodies. In 2014, Dr. Roberts developed a nonprofit called Not On Our Watch, N-O-O-W. N-O-O-W was designed to provide an avenue to educate young women between the ages of 10 and 17 years of age on establishing healthy behaviors with their bodies in a fun and safe environment. Dr. Roberts has utilized her degree in material science and engineering and developed an innovative feminine wash that is unique to the current marketplace. An effective feminine wash formulation, it has revolutionized feminine hygiene care for all women and gentle enough even for adolescents. She and her husband, Edmund, are natives of Birmingham, Alabama. They, they enjoy spending time with their children and attending the Church of the Highlands. Her interests are piano and traveling. And I'm going to add a, a note that she did not include in her bio, that she is a member of the best black sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And I am honored and proud to call her my Sora. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Tamika Roberts to the show. There we are. All righty. So we have our medical expert, Dr. Tamika Roberts, who is a Birmingham area OBGYN. Uh, and so she is our expert today when we talk about women's health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Roberts. Thank you, Dr. Krista. <laughs> <laughs> so getting right into it. So what is the biggest issue in women's health that we should know about? Well, the, one of the bigger issues is um, heart disease. Hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, think about you know, breast cancer, cervical cancer, um, you know, um, fibroids, but actually heart disease is the biggest women's health issue because mm -hmm. most women die from um, cardiac disease. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just got out of heart month. So yeah, we, we did yeah. talk about that um, yeah. quite a bit. So now as an OB or as a GYN, so I, I, I'm going to separate the two, right? Because yes. I, as I understand it, you don't do the obstetrics part anymore. That's correct. I do Very OB good. on the side, um, um, but I don't um, do it full time. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, so I just lost your video. Yes, I'm sorry. Somebody called. Okay. Uh-oh. So we were talking about, you know, you doing more of the gynecology part. So now do you see a lot of heart disease? Are you detecting a lot of heart disease uh, in your patients? Right. So as UINs, we are kind of primary care. And mm -hmm. so we look at your blood pressure. We'll check your cholesterol, you know, um, ask okay. um, those kind of questions. Of course, if something comes back abnormal, we'll hand it off to the primary care. Um, <laughs> right. Medicine. But we are sometimes the first line screening 
uh, for a lot of people, especially um, the young young people, 20s, mm -hmm. 30s, they usually don't have a primary care doctor. Right. And so we are their primary care for a little bit. Right. Yeah, because I imagine a lot of women are only seeing if they pick one doctor to see, you know, they're not seeing their primary care or their, their family medicine, internal medicine, and seeing the women's health piece. They're just getting everything from the women's health piece. So I guess that makes sense, right? Right. right. So when we're looking at, um, because, you know, I think a lot of women have obstacles to obtaining good quality women's health care. What do you see as some of the obstacles and some of the solutions um, to connect those two divides? Right. And, you know, that is a really, you know, difficult question, sure. you know, um, to answer because there's so many factors that go into why some women aren't getting health care. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of it is education. You know, you don't see your mom going or you don't see your family members going. So, and I, I feel like I'm okay. And so mm -hmm. I'll come when there is a problem. Right. So they don't know and aren't educated about preventive health. Sure. Um, also, um, uh, we have to talk about socioeconomic status, you know, not having the means to get to a doctor. Sure. Um, uh, and, you know, and there's a stigma, especially with African-Americans about going to the doctor. You know, that's a whole right. nother issue. <laughs> right, right. Definitely, uh, definitely. And, you know, it, it's it's funny, not funny in the comical sense, but, right. you know, it's it's funny the coincidence that we see you know, across the board, like no matter what type of healthcare you're trying to access, the barriers seem to be the same. Right. The education piece, the access, because so many people are living in medical deserts and, you know, that kind of thing where they just don't have access to quality care or they can't get there due to transportation issues or whatever. And it's just peculiar to see that cut across the board, no matter what type of healthcare you're trying to access. And, you know, that, that's really really quite um, quite astounding and sad in, in 2022, in my humble opinion. Yes. So now in terms of maintaining optimal health, because one of the things you mentioned was about screenings. Mm -hmm. um, so what types of screenings should women be having? And I know that varies because the recommendations, I remember they've changed from when I was practicing internal medicine. Um, and they change ever so often, but um, just, it, you know, I guess we could take it um, age by age. So if you're in your yes. teens and twenties, yes. Um, what screening should you be getting from the women's health perspective? Yes. So um, I usually recommend, or actually it is recommended that you get STD screening mm -hmm. um, and you start your pap smear at age 21. That's different than when we were um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, they, they bumped that age up. It was much younger. Yes. It used to be when you become sexually active, that's when you right. start getting your pap smears. Right. Um, but now they've made that 21 just across the board. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the year, like I know it used to be that every year you had to get a pap smear. Right. And now that recommendation changed, what, maybe about five or 10 years ago. Yes, yes. So after you get a, um, a couple of normal pap smears, then you can start spacing out once every three, um, sometimes five years. Oh, wow. But yes, but there's a big caveat to it, you know, in the sense of you have to be either uh, in a monogamous relationship or not sexually active 
So you can't have a new partner. So if you have a new partner, that timetable kind of changes a little bit, oh, you know, wow. particularly because of HPV. Sure. That mm-hmm. gets complicated. So let's talk about yes. HPV and, yes. you know, what it is and what it does and why we, why we care about it. Yes. Yes. So HPV, human papillomavirus, is the most common STD. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yes, yes, yes. It is everywhere. We don't even screen 20 year olds because if you're sexually active and you're 20, you probably have it. You know, if you have an unprotected intercourse. Wow. So, yeah, so we don't even start screening um, for it until age 30. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So now and, is there a, is there a, um, so if we're not screening for this until mm-hmm. age 30, is mm-hmm. there something that we're looking for in your 20s and 30s? Because if I remember correctly, HPV can be kind of silent. Yes, it can be time. silent. Um, and um, it is the virus that can cause cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So, in the 20s, it could cause cervical changes, but typically in your 20s, the cervical changes go away. Like uh, HPV can clear itself. There's no medicine for it, but it can clear itself, like a cold. Mm-hmm. We okay. don't have a medicine to get rid of it, but your body can fight it off most of the time. And so, most 20 year olds can clear it off if okay. they don't. Uh, are at high risk, like have HIV or smokers, mm-hmm. um, they can clear it off. So we usually don't see the cervical changes um, until you get into your 30s, but you can still see them in 20s. So that's why you still get your pap smear. Pap smear. And right. yeah, if your pap smear is abnormal, then we'll screen you for HPV. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that was something that I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, because I'm, whenever I think about STDs, I'm always thinking about the the yeah. old school ones, you know, gonorrhea, chlamydia, yeah. yes. you know, mm-hmm. haven't given any thought to HPV. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I know that there's a vaccine for that. Yes. For and some, so some strains. Yeah. Yes. 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 For some strains, the, um, the most um, common strains here in the U.S. And so now they are giving it at age 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. So the pediatricians are giving it now. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. And to boys also, girls and boys. Ah, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, so is that because of cancer risk in boys as well, or is it a transmission issue? Right. It's mainly a transmission issue. Okay. Um, you'll see on some commercials, they talk about penile cancer a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's some out there just talking about HPV vaccine um, and for boys, but Mainly it's to keep them from transmitting it to the woman. To the lady. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of um, maintaining your optimal GYN health, what tips do you have to offer us? Mm-hmm. Well, um, if you are sexually active, please use condoms. Yes. <laughs> that helps with a lot of things. Because <laughs> yes. there are worse things than getting pregnant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, of course, you know, nobody wants to hear this, but maintaining a healthy weight, exercising, eating right, lots of water, that helps tremendously with a lot of things down in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you have a healthy weight, you have less problems with vaginal discharge, less problems with um, bleeding issues, pelvic pain, you know, or all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, nobody wants to hear that because it's it's, it's a, hard, a harder issue to fix sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that definitely helps with your vulvar health. 
um, you know, not having diabetes, not having hypertension, you know, things like that. So sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just kind of circling back to the screenings, we've talked about our young ladies. Mm -hmm. What about our ladies that are in their 30 to 50 range? And, yeah. and, and at what point do you not have to have a pap smear anymore? Right, right. That's a good question. I get asked that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I like to break it down like uh, ladies in their 30s. That's when you should really be aware of if your cycle is changing or if it's painful or if it's heavy or it's irregular. Mm -hmm. Because this is the time that fibroids and endometriosis can start showing up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want you to be aware of that. Of course, we continue with the pap smear screenings. And, you know, we talked earlier about um, adding an HPV um, testing at that time. Sure. And so, uh, and this is the time you need to start thinking about, okay, children. All right. Have I had children already? If I want more children, because after the age of 35, then we, um, we consider you advanced maternal age. You have higher risk of high blood pressure, diabetes, um, right. genetic um, defects with the baby. So, so then uh, when you get to the forties, that's when we start our mammogram. Yay. Right. <laughs> we, right. Yeah. <laughs> fun times mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so mammogram uh, once a year um, we usually recommend the um, mammogram up to age 72 if you don't have risk factors then you can stop your mammogram wow that's about time Even you can into stop your 70s wow yeah yes so um oh can you still hear I me lost your visual uh, okay sorry <laughs> that's okay Sorry. That's all right. So we were okay. talking about um, having mammograms well into your 70s. Yes, yes, yes. So if you don't have risk um, factors, then you can stop them in your 70s. But that a that's a conversation you need to have with your, um, your right. doctor. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's I'm sure that's quite individualized there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so and, and about pap smears, when yeah. does that stop? About the same time. But it, it is, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So we were, we were talking about um, having your pap smears even into your 70s um, yes. and how that is, is very individualized in talking with your primary care. So yes. now yes. as we are wrapping up, well, before we do that, um, when we talk about cervical cancer, since we were talking about HPV, mm -hmm. are there any advances in detecting cervical cancer? Because I know that that one had been, um, from what I remember, very, very difficult to detect and usually detected in the late stages with you know, very, very drastic outcomes. Um, right. Are there any advances with cervical cancer screening and detection? Right, yeah. So the best way is to go to your doctor and get them regularly. Because mm -hmm. one good thing about cervical cancer, if you go and get your pap smear, we can catch things early. Wow. So in the sense of, you know, we do the screening with the pap smear or we do the screening with the HPV. Um, if one of those are positive, that gives us a little signal, hey, um, let's uh, watch you a little closer or maybe mm -hmm. we need biopsies. Because mm -hmm. um, most of the patients that I see that actually have cervical cancer haven't got a pap smear in five years or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it could have easily been uh, detected if they had just gotten that one pap smear, you know, right. to kind of at that right up. time. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Early detection is always, oh, always absolutely. The key, and that's a common thread with, with everything too. 
Yes, absolutely. So now from a women's health perspective, any last tips or, or recommendations that you'd like to share? Yes. So, you know, I, I usually get asked, you know, once I have a hysterectomy, I don't need the GYN doctor anymore. Um, mm. And I'm like, well, you still have lady parts. You have some parts, <laughs> right, right. Yes. <laughs> you know, especially if you still have ovaries. Mm. And so, of course, it can be individualized on when you need to see us. But we still would love to see you every three to five years because most ladies are not looking down in that area. And um, you can still have problems with you know, vaginal dryness or um, sometimes um, certain cancers can be down there still. Get your exam to make sure your ovaries are feeling normal because, you know, ovarian cancer, ovarian unfortunately, cancer. there's not sure. much screening for that, but at least we are taking a look at something. Right. So, right. yes. And so um, I say still come and see us. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And so before we wrap up this segment, tell us about your product. Yes, yes. And so I had a lot of patients come and ask me what they can use down in the vaginal area to keep clean and fresh, but not cause irritation. Because a lot of ladies are having um, trouble trying to stay fresh, but the, the products um, on the market had things like sulfur, parabens, and so they were had concerns about that. Sure. Um, and so, you know, a ACOG, the board that's over us, they recommend only water in that area to clean, yeah, to stay clean. Exactly. That's the face I usually get from patients. Mm. <laughs> you want me to do what? Okay. <laughs> Especially after, you know, sweaty, going to exercise. Yeah, um, just in general. Just, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so wow. I wanted to give something that not, not, not going to cause any problems, but at least they can feel fresh and clean, but not cause any further issues. Right. And so I um, worked on my um, own product. Um, I do have an engineering degree, so, and I worked with a chemist, and yes, and we came up with our own formula that has um, natural products, um, nice and gentle, pH balance. You feel like you're clean and fresh, but not going to cause a yeast or bacterial infection. Excellent. And what's the name of your product? Dr. Roberts Clinical Feminine Care. Clinical Feminine Care. I love it. Yeah. And we'll post those links uh, in if you get us any graphics of uh, pictures of the products. We will post yes. that up too, because that sounds like a wonderful, wonderful product. Last question before we go, douching. Yes. I know that that's like an old school thing, but I still come <laughs> across people who tell me, you know, that they, they still douche and, and still need to. Right. You know, that's a big no-no. Exactly. I just wanted, I just wanted the expert to say it. Yes. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And what it can do is it can push that bacteria that's in the vagina into the uterus, into the tubes and cause infection. Uh -huh. And so that's why we don't like it. Plus, if you feel like you need to douche, then there's probably something else going on mm -hmm. and you need, you need to see your doctor about it. Yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your expertise with us. All right, thank you for inviting me. We'll have you back anytime. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Pet owners, if you're looking for exceptional veterinary care in a friendly and comfortable environment, you should visit Just for Pets Wellness Center. Just for Pets Wellness Center provides preventative medicine and treatment, and also advanced state-of-the-art veterinary dental care and surgery, all while keeping your pets safe and comfortable. For quality care for your pets and peace of mind for yourself, visit Just the Number Four Pets FL dot vet to make an appointment today.
sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. Welcome back. Welcome back. That was a great segment. Um, Welcome back to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. If you're just tuning in, you are listening live to your favorite award-winning health and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and I am your host, Dr. Carissa. We were just talking with Dr. Tamika Roberts about some basics of women's health, um, you know, talk in terms of uh, screenings and things to look out for, things to discuss with your with your healthcare uh, provider. So, you know, let's recap, if we will, in this last half of our show today. So, women make up about forty nine point five eight percent of the world's population. So, we're almost literally almost half and half, um, and that translates and that percentage translates into 3.9 billion women in the world today. So, you know, as I said earlier, everyone knows at least one woman. And because you know at least one woman, you should be concerned uh, about women's health. You should want to educate yourself about women's health. And you should want to support and advocate uh, for women's health issues. Because, of course, uh, as the as women are healthy, their children can be healthy, their families can be healthy, their communities can be healthy. Uh, and so, you know, as you empower women, you strengthen all of those things. And so we definitely uh, want all of our ladies out there to be their healthy and best selves. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about some top common women's health issues, um, and I present these in no particular order of importance, but just in order of the topics as I research them, uh, in order that they that they popped up on me, okay? So I am not saying that one is more, more concerning than the other. So, all right, PMS or premenstrual syndrome. Uh, so, of course, as long as you are a menstruating woman as, long, woman, as long as you're having your period, you can have PMS. So it is not just an issue um, of our younger counterparts, our daughters, um, in their teen and preteen years. Uh, this happens all throughout the menstrual life uh, of a woman. Uh, this affects about 40% of women, and symptoms can include breast tenderness, acne, menstrual cramping and pain, headache, fatigue, and some mental health symptoms. And so if you are experiencing these, um, 
and you are affected more than you feel you should be, um, or even if you're just curious about that, of course, you know, that's a conversation to have with your healthcare provider. Next, we talk about uh, reproductive health. So about one-third of women between the ages of 15 and 44 will deal with reproductive health challenges. Um, and so, of course, the danger uh, with the reproductive health challenges, as I said, you know, starting from age 15, now a lot of young ladies are not thinking about their reproductive health uh, at age 15. I know I was not, right? Um, you know, and for a lot of our teens, uh, their big thing in terms of reproductive health is preventing uh, reproduction. And so, you know, there are a lot of challenges around that in terms of um, access to quality care. Um, of course, you all have been seeing, you know, in the news with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, which addresses the access to uh, healthy and safe abortion procedures. Um, but, you know, there may be an extension of those, um, of those activities um, to include um, lack of access to, to reproductive medicine in terms of um, birth control. Um, and so, you know, so you'll have have that issue. So there may be um, many more unwanted pregnancies, and you know, not every pregnancy is a healthy one, right? You know, we all assume, you know, that a woman will get pregnant and she will deliver a healthy baby, but that isn't always the case. Um, so, you know, we have to be um, on the alert about reproductive health challenges. And particularly if you have had, and we'll get into this a little bit later, uh, you know, sexually transmitted infections, um, you know, those will will come or can come, I should say, can come back to haunt you uh, later in life. Um, so, you know, we have to talk about um, about those things. Um, the big thing, too, with, with women's health is heart disease and heart health. So, you know, when we think about women's health, we immediately think about the issues that are affecting the female organs, right? So we talk about breast cancer and ovarian cancer and cervical cancer um, and those types of things. But actually, heart disease is the number one killer of women in the United States, killing about 300,000 women in the year 2019. Uh, and it is also the leading cause of death for women worldwide. One of the big issues um, with that is um, the lack of access to care. And you're going to hear me say that a lot because that is really the, the, the death nail in, in all of us women, men, however you identify, being our healthiest self is having access uh, to quality, quality care. And so when we talk about heart disease, as I said, it is the number one cause of death in women overall and also in women of color. Uh, so one in 16 women have coronary artery disease, artery disease. They may not know it, and that is scary and dangerous. And 47% of Americans, regardless of their gender or gender identification, have at least one risk factor for heart disease. So what are those risk factors? We talk about age, gender, ethnicity, smoking habits, uh, the existence of chronic diseases such as hypertension or high blood pressure, 
high cholesterol, diabetes, uh, being diagnosed with obesity or being overweight, eating an unhealthy diet, being inactive from a physical standpoint, drinking too much alcohol, and then, of course, the things that you cannot change, your family history and your genetics. So, you know, when we talk about why heart disease is so dangerous in women, not only is it an issue of access to care, it is an issue of recognition of symptoms. So heart disease in women may not have chest pain. So when you look at the media, and I think the media does as good a job as they can, maybe I'm being generous with that, but anyway, um, you know, you think about heart issues, you think about chest pain because that's what all, that's what you see on TV, right? That someone slumps over and they grab their chest and, you know, they get rushed to the hospital, they're diagnosed with, with a, a heart, heart attack or, you know, they're rushed to the, to surgery or whatever you see. Um, but not all um, heart disease in women shows up as chest pain. Women more often than not have what we call atypical symptoms. And this is what makes heart disease a silent killer in women. So atypical symptoms include nausea, vomiting, fatigue, indigestion or heartburn, shortness of breath, dizziness, or palpitation. Notice I did not put chest pain in that list. It doesn't show up anywhere in the atypical symptoms list. And another thing with women is that, you know, when you look at those atypical symptoms, a lot of us don't jump first to this may be a problem with my heart. So, for example, I don't know a woman who isn't tired at one point in time or another, right? Because we're doing so many different things. We are wives and mothers and caregivers and, you know, good girlfriends and we're working and doing all of these things. So we may be very tired and we may be very stressed out and we may dismiss that fatigue as, you know, maybe I'm just doing too much. Well, maybe you are and maybe it is your heart telling you that there is something that you need to do with that. So, you know, it is it's better, I say, it is better to have heartburn in the emergency room because, you know, I see that a lot also in the ER that people come in and they say, you know, I've been having this heartburn off and on for, you know, how many days a week. And, you know, I just thought that it would go away. And I didn't want to come to the emergency room because I thought it was just heartburn and I didn't want to bother anybody. And I always say it is better to have heartburn in the emergency room than to have a heart attack at the house, right? So get that checked out. But even before it gets to the point where you have to come and see me or one of my ER colleagues, um, know your risk factors and know how you can reduce your risk. So you have to know your family history first and foremost. And we have talked about this from time to time about how families can be somewhat secretive um, about the health issues that they face. But the more we talk about our, our individual histories, the more we can arm the next generation um, as to what they need to be on the lookout for. You want to have regular checkups with your doctor. That includes checking your cholesterol, um, you know, checking your liver issues, checking your blood pressure, checking your blood sugar. Um, you want to know and control your chronic diseases, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes uh, being the top three. You want to limit your alcohol intake. 
make healthy food choices, quit smoking if you do smoke, and do the best that you can to manage stress. And I know that that one is really, really challenging, particularly with what we've been through, what we've all collectively been through over these past two plus years with the, with the COVID pandemic. So, you know, again, encapsulated in heart disease, hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, and obesity. And you really want to, um, you know, get screened for these issues. And if you have these issues, you want to address them aggressively and properly. Next, we talk about breast and cervical cancer. Um, and of course, you know, as with everything, you know, we're going to dedicate a show um, to these issues themselves. Um, but as with everything, early detection gives you the greatest chance for better outcomes, including but not limited to survival, right? Um, because especially in communities of color, uh, lack of access to care, lack of education about these health issues lead people, you know, I see people in the emergency room um, and they come in with, you know, they found a lump in their breast or whatever. And what I'm able to do in the emergency room, uh, you know, they end up with metastatic cancer. And at that point, you know, it's a different trajectory, right, for, um, you know, for your survivability uh, and for, you know, just your quality of life going forward with that disease process. So it is always, 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 always better um, to have early detection. And I know that it can be scary because anytime you have a test, there is a possibility that someone like me will tell you that this is what's wrong. Right, and you don't want to face that, but it is much better um, to face it earlier on when it is a smaller problem, perhaps, than later on when it is out of control and and there are severe limitations as to what can be done um, to get you restored in into your healthy status. So you want to check with your your primary care provider any screening recommendations because, of course, uh, as Dr. Roberts alluded to, there are, um, there are varying criteria um, for different things. So, for example, with breast cancer, there is the general screening criteria of starting your mammograms in your 40s, but if you have a family history in a first-degree relative, so your mother, grandmother, sister, um, if any one of them has had breast cancer, then your screening time may start a little bit earlier than 40. Um, and so you definitely want to check with your with your primary care doctor to get that personalized recommendation for um, screening testing. And, you know, and while you're there with your doctor, don't forget to ask um, about your um, about your preteen and teenage girls. Um, because depending upon using breast cancer as, as an example, um, depending upon that, that family history of breast cancer, your teenage girls may have to start having their mammograms as well. And so, you know, we definitely don't want to miss opportunities for early, early intervention in our babies. I call them babies in our young ladies. How about that, right? And so, you know, again, you want to make sure that you are talking about your family history as well and encourage your girls to talk about what's going on with their bodies. So I know when I take my daughter Spencer to her pediatrician, her pediatrician kicks me out of the room, which is fine. Um, and they have, you know, conversations that 
she she would be comfortable having with me, but maybe there will come a time when she's not, and she can have those one-on-one conversations with her doctor talking about what her experiences are within her body and any problems that she may be um, maybe experiencing so that, again, that early detection, that early recognition, early intervention piece um, can happen for her because, you know, that is, that is what we want. We want our young ladies to be empowered about their bodies and about their health. Uh, next, we talk about osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Uh, so osteoporosis is a disease that weakens the bones and increases the risk of falls and bone fractures. And, of course, there are some risk factors with that. Um, women of color are affected, but uh, Caucasian communities and Asian communities are more affected um, percentage-wise by osteoporosis. Uh, and you may have someone that describes having, like, brittle bones, uh, and, you know, you'll have older ladies uh, who will have what seems like an innocent fall uh, that has a tremendous um, tremendous pathology. Uh, you know, so for example, I'll share, um, I had a, an elder lady who came in that she was on her hands and knees trying to clean underneath a cupboard and her arm slipped and she broke her arm just from that. So she didn't fall or anything like that. Her arm just slipped and slipped in an awkward way uh, and, you know, and, and she had that fracture and so that's the, the risk of those seemingly innocent activities that, that can lead to devastating injuries um, when you have osteoporosis on board. Um, arthritis, on the other hand, is an inflammatory process, and, and it results in an inflammation at the joint um, that can be painful, uh, can be disfiguring and leading to uh, deformity and decreased mobility. So you will, will may hear um, some of our older ladies um, talking about their boyfriend, Arthur, and uh, they're referring to arthritis with that, and, you know, knees and hips um, are the, the big things, but then you can have specialized types of arthritis that may affect the hand and, and so forth. And so, you know, very severe arthritis not only, you know, leads to pain, not only leads to decreased mobility, but also may change your ability to live independently um, because as you are not as mobile, of course, you are at increased risk for falls. Um, and what we know in our older population, particularly with our older women, is that as if they fall, then there are trajectories of, you know, your morbidity and mortality, particularly if you have a fall associated with a hip fracture. Um, because some people do not recover as well uh, from that, and so that changes, you know, their ability to live independently and do independent activities, and so on and so forth. But the good news is that there are screening tests available for osteoporosis, uh, and so you definitely should talk with your primary care provider. So, you know, when we talk about going to your doctor, you want to tell your doctor that you want to have a preventative visit so that way they can schedule the appropriate amount of time for all of these conversations to take place. 
um, because this is not, this cannot happen appropriately um, during just a wellness check. You know, I'm just going to go in and get my blood pressure checked. Oh, and by the way, can you talk to me about all of the screening that I need to have in order to be well? So, you know, when you're making those appointments, you know, make sure that you're letting letting the, the schedulers know that you need a little more time. But back to osteoporosis and arthritis, um, prevention point. Of course, exercise is going to be um, a key to preventing many of the diseases that we're talking about, and that applies to women and to men. Uh, and then, of course, um, a diet rich in vitamin D and calcium, because vitamin D and calcium together work to fortify the bones and to keep them strong. Um, so you want to have uh, strong bones to have healthy bones and, and keep yourself healthy. When we talk about prenatal health, in the coming weeks, uh, we will dedicate an entirely show, an entire show to our maternal health, um, particularly the morbidity and mortality associated with African American uh, maternal health. Being pregnant in and of itself is a health condition um, that can be dangerous to both the mother and the child. And trust me when I say I know this from, from personal experience and also seeing it professionally, um, that there are so many miracles that go into safely delivering a healthy child um, and a healthy mom, right, that, you know, it, it's astounding and it would really, it's mind-blowing when you think about um, and when you learn about all of the points at which um, things can go wrong and, again, can lead to uh, devastating outcomes, um, not just for the mother, not just for the child, but also for the family um, that exists um, as well. When we talk about women's sexual health, so, you know, of course, there is, um, you know, there are a lot of a lot of issues there as well, and there has been, up until recently, a tremendous amount of focus on men's sexual health, looking at you, Viagra, um, and then there had been nothing or a very paltry amount of of conversation around um, women having, you know, sexual dysfunction and the things that we need to do um, to conquer that. But I will say, you know, having a healthy sex life is key to having a healthy life should you choose to continue to engage in sexual activity. Um, but And if you are engaging in sexual activity, you should know that HIV, gonorrhea, syphilis, and chlamydia are still the top sexually transmitted infections. And so, you know, no matter what your age, you know, you have heard about that and you may have thought that that, that is not a thing anymore and it is still a thing that is singing. So... In general, you know, you want to, to protect yourself. Um, and we'll talk uh, in another show, we'll talk about ways to have a healthy sexual health life. So I'll give you just one example. Um, undiagnosed and untreated syphilis is responsible for thousands of stillbirths and tens of thousands of newborn deaths around the world. When we talk about mental health issues, of course, mental, mental health illnesses are a problem for women of all ages and for different reasons uh, throughout the, the life cycle. Um, you know, of course, depression and anxiety are, are going to be uh, tops there, but also suicide is a leading cause of death in women. Um, you, we will talk about um, aging issues because throughout the life of a woman, um, you know, as her life changes, the issues 
involving her health change. So, for example, a 75-year-old woman has a, a different set of health concerns than a 25-year-old woman, right? And so we have to take into account the aging that comes about. And lastly, um, you know, we want to talk about domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And so I don't know, for those of you who have listened for a while, you know, I did a show um, a couple seasons ago about uh, domestic violence in teenagers. And, you know, I was astounded in doing the research to know how early intimate partner violence starts with our children when they are 13 and 14 years old and just kind of fumbling around into um, the dating world that, you know, domestic violence is a thing even then. So domestic violence situations, in addition to the physical dangers that, you know, are obviously um, apparent, um, violence can lead to some mental health expressions as well. Um, Depression, PTSD, anxiety disorders, sleep difficulties, eating disorders, and suicide attempts. And actually, in 2013, there was a study, and it showed that women who experienced intimate partner violence or domestic violence were almost twice as likely to experience depression and substance abuse issues. And so I will post um, on our Facebook page uh, information about domestic violence if you um, feel that you are um, are in a situation that you need to get help in, um, you know, we will we will post that and we always want to to support that and, and we want people to be safe um, no matter what they are, are experiencing there. So that is it for our show today. I'm going to close out with our vitamin C and I think, did I find, I pulled something up and I don't know what I have done with it now. Oh, here we go. So today I want to talk about um, women friendship since we're talking about women's health and I, I will say you know speaking for myself my women friendships have been just clutch in terms of me having a healthy and well-balanced life I love all of the aspects of my life being a wife being a mother being a doctor but it's those women friendships the ones that go back and even the ones that are brand new that are really, really, really special to me because there is something about being in a circle of women who motivate you, who uplift you, who love on you um, and in ways that are different than your spouse may love you and in ways that are different than your children will love you, right? Um, that is such a, a unique and special relationship. And, you know, this past weekend, I had an opportunity to make some new women friends um, at a retreat that I did. And I just tell you, it, it has just, it has just filled me. And I just can't even put into words how wonderful, how wonderful that experience was and is. And so I will leave you with a quote, and I don't know who has said this, but the best kind of friendship are fierce lady friendships where you aggressively believe in each other, defend each other, and think the other deserves the world. And if that doesn't encapsulate what is the best thing about women friendships, I don't know what is. So... In closing, thank you once again for joining us this week 
Um, we will be back on air next week or maybe the week after. I think I may have to take next week off, but either way. Until we meet again, my friends, be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.